Good morning, Lifeway Church, and good morning for you that have joined us. Um, if you're just now joining us, that's great. We had some issues with our live stream, but that's okay, too. Jesus is still on the throne. He's still moving, he's still moving forward, and he's asking us to move forward with him. So, wow, week three of Pray, Vote, Pray. And I said when we began this series that, uh, well, first of all, I, I need to pray. I need to pray, even for myself, so you hang on while I pray. You pray for yourself. Lord, thank you that we have an opportunity to hear from your spirit today. We need to hear your voice. So many voices talking, so many people saying things, but your words are life, and your words settle everything. Thank you, Father, for speaking by your spirit. Thank you that your words are life and peace to us today. They bring us back to your heart and your will for us. Lord, help me to communicate what you put in my heart. I, I, I want you to remove all of the emotion out of it and let us hear uh, your voice. Not my voice, not my will, not my opinion, but your will, your voice, your words in Jesus' name. And everybody said Amen. Yeah, it's a little bit hard. That's a hard prayer. I'm praying that prayer and thinking, how can the Lord pull my personality out unless I'm just a robot standing up here saying, you know. We are emotional. God gave us emotions. And uh, sometimes when you hear somebody speak, they may be speaking the truth, but their emotions mixed in there. So you just have to, it's a time to give uh, mercy because, you know, sowing and reaping. Galatians 5 talks about sowing and reaping. I need mercy. I don't, I can't speak for you, but I need mercy. So I want to be a merciful person. When you look at me and you remember me, I want you to remember, hey, the guy was merciful. He was loving. He gave mercy. Um, 2 Chronicles 7.14, week 3. title of this message is The Day After. Mm, mm, mm. I can't take credit for that. The Lord gave it to me. I'm telling you, each one of these points, the Lord gave to me. The day after, meaning, hey, it's obvious, hey, November the 4th, what's going to happen? The day after. Everybody's like, ooh, November 3rd. I'm like, hey, what's November 4th? The day after. Uh, we can see with our eyes and hear with our ears that there truly is a battle for the soul of our nation. No joke about it. That wasn't new to us. Guys, we know that this battle has been raging ever since, ever since Adam gave up his dominion in the garden. And uh, God prophesied that the heel of the Son of Man would crush the head of the enemy. That prophecy is still there. Jesus, I read the back of the book and Jesus wins. And those in Christ also win. Not because of anything that we've done, but because of everything that he's done. <laughs> it's so good to know we're on the winning team. So that's why, that's why there's no strain and striving in the flesh, guys. Paul spoke to the Galatians and said, hey, Galatians, don't be foolish. What was begun in the spirit, why do you think you're going to execute it or carry it out in the flesh? Walk in the spirit, live in the spirit, go with the spirit. Jesus said, I only say those things I hear my father say, 
do those things I see my father do. And so we've got to stay connected to the spirit because the battle that we're fighting is not a fleshly war. It's a spiritual war. And 2 Chronicles tells us what God's part is in this healing of our nation. Uh, we need a healing for our nation. And um, here's what it says. 2 Chronicles 7.14, New International Version says, If my people, I mean that phrase alone, is worth the whole verse. If my people. So if we. There's something that we must do. God can't heal the nation unless we see that he needs us to pray. Now, again, prayer is, is c connecting with God. There's personal prayer where you have your conversation and you, like Pastor Sheila was saying, you, you just pour out your heart to God. There's other prayer where God himself, by the Holy Spirit, is praying through you. It is not your opinion. It is not your will. I've, I've lived almost 57 years. In a couple of weeks, it'll be 57 years. And I can tell you that asking God to do your will doesn't work. <laughs> That, that may be a, that's tweetable, that's notable, that's something that you need to write down. Don't try to convince God to do your will. It doesn't work. You'll just beat your head against the wall. You have to find out what his will is and then pray his will. But his will right now here in this verse is that God would heal. He is the healer. A political party can't heal the land. A president can't heal the land. The Supreme Court can't heal the land. Come on, the Senate can't heal the land. House of Representatives can't heal the land. God is the only one that can heal our land. But he needs the people that are called by his name to do something first. Pray and humble. Pray and humble and request. Is the church humble enough yet? I'm not sure. I believe we're in the process of being humbled. But listen, we humble ourselves. We humble ourselves. Let's say that together. We humble ourselves. So, take 2 Chronicles 7:14. Prayer, pray for our nation. Pray uh, and humble when when just the act of prayer. If we're coming to God, we're believing that he is. We have to believe that he is before we'll come to him. As we're coming to him, it's not on our merits that we approach him. It's through the blood of Jesus and his righteousness and his sacrifice. And so as we're coming to him, we are submitting to his lordship. And so we have to stay there. We can't run out of the throne of grace after we've received that grace and say, here I am. I'm Superman. No, the super only comes from him. And so there's no, uh, and I think I said this a couple of weeks ago, there's no room for pride. No room for pride. And it's, it's uh, sad to say, but you see a lot of it in the body of Christ. And I'm not going to go there because I'm praying. I'm not going to point fingers at people because I'm praying for people to work out their own salvation with fear and trembling. Hey, I got my stuff to deal with. Why do I want to go point fingers at everybody else? Lord, help me. Um, I'm going to talk about a couple of things before I give you 
the three points of the sermon. Um, this idea of God appointing a president. I don't, I don't know where it came from. I do know where it came from. But I don't know why it continues to be accepted in the body of Christ. Well, God's going to appoint the president. God's going to, he is going to put a president in office. I'm sorry, but God's not voting. He's not voting. Let, let's think about this. God gave the earth to Adam. Adam. Man. Right now, as best as I can see, God has not taken the earth back. His will is not being executed on the earth everywhere, all the time, for everyone. So what makes somebody think that God is going to put someone in the White House? I, I just don't understand how people can have common sense. I, I don't mean to be rude or anything, but to believe that God is the one that's going to vote somebody in office. When he told us to pray for our nation, to humble ourselves, to repent, to use our brain, <laughs> to, to, to look at the platforms, to examine the facts, to look at the voting records... He expects us to do our part, and then he will do his part. But he can't do his part until we do our part. Yes, it would be great to say, oh, God, give us the president that you want. That way we don't have to do anything. If I truly believe that God was going to appoint the next president, then why vote? <laughs> why pray? Really, my prayer should be, Lord, come quickly. Take me today. <laughs> right? Right? Why go through all this mess if I believe that God is sovereign? And they use, people use that word in, in, a, in a sense. And God is sovereign in the sense that he ultimately controls everything. But he's not in control of the world system right now. There is a God of this world called Satan. It's written right here. Right here. There's two plans. There's a plan of life. John 10.10. 10, Jesus came to bring us life. I'm getting passionate right now. I'm getting my emotions up right now. But Jesus said, I come that you might have life and more abundantly. But there's a thief. And the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. There's two plans that are working out right now. There's a plan for life and there's a plan for death. And God is not the one that's putting, he's not a puppet master. He's not a puppet master. He's not a puppet master. Whatever camera's on, he's not a puppet master. Tweet it, shout it, write it down. God is not a puppet master. He gave Adam a free choice, a free will. When he put him in the garden, he said, follow me, love me, serve me, and all your days will be blessed. If we disobey, guess what? There's this thing called sin. And sin has a price. Is my ears getting red and I'm getting all... Oh, help me, Lord. Let me get past this first point. I'm not, not even to the first point. I'm just in the introduction. Now, let me say this on the other side of that coin. Can God impact an election? Yes, he can. If his people pray. If his people vote. And then, here's the third week here. We need to pray after we vote. Because if we don't pray after we vote, our vote really doesn't count. It doesn't have any power in that arena. Prayer 
makes power available. Without prayer, we're nothing. We can do nothing. We have nothing. But through prayer, God empowers us to go and do what he called us to do. First church, book of Acts, right? Let's go back to what Jesus said. Go to the upper room and wait. Why did he say go and wait? He didn't tell them to go play computer games, to binge out on Netflix. He said go and pray and wait until you be endued with power. Why do we need power? So that we can do what he called us to do. Without the power that he gives us, we can't do what he called us to do. And so without prayer, our vote can't do what our vote was designed to do. We can be involved intellectually and the politics of this nation, but without prayer, it's to no avail. So that's why I say pray and then vote. Educate yourself and vote and then pray. Pray. We have to emphasize the necessity of prayer. Political involvement is, and education and voting is mega important. But without prayer, we lose. If we vote and we don't pray, then we are not empowering our vote. That's how I see it. That's how I believe it. That's how the Lord showed me, and I'm praying that he will show you the same thing. We need to be a people of prayer more now than ever before. More, than, more now than ever before. And the thing about educating ourselves for voting, you know, people, people will spend hours and hours and hours researching for one week of vacation. They know where to go. They know where they're going to go. They're going to have a schedule. Now, they don't schedule out anything in their normal life. Now, I'm talking about myself here. <laughs> but when I'm going on vacation, I mean, from the moment that vacation starts to the moment it ends. And you know what we're all guilty of saying? After we get on vacation, we're like, man, time is just going by too fast. We're going to have to come back to this place because there were things that we wanted to do that we didn't get to do. But listen, about vacations, we, we love to uh, investigate and and, 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 and dream and plan and program our vacation. But then when it comes to voting, it's like, I don't know what any of them stand for. They're all a bunch of liars. I ain't going to vote. I'm just going to sit this one out. Come on. Come on. Give God a chance. Educate yourself. Vote intelligently. Vote by the Holy Spirit. Pray and vote and pray. Prayer, what, what begins in prayer should end in prayer. Write that one down. Because the church began in prayer. The church began with a, a, a mighty Russian, rushing wind. Sometimes in, in Georgia speak, you, Russian, I mean, you think in a mighty Russian wind, a wind from Russia. And I'm just analyzing things in my own head here. Get me out of my head, Lord. A mighty rushing wind. <laughs> there was power in the church. Where's the power in the church today? <laughs> People putting on masks and staying home. Oh, Lord. He didn't say that. Guys, we've been preaching against fear since March. Come out of the bunker. Come on. I mean... And it's amazing. It's so amazing. And it's so, people say, it's so divisive. It's so divisive. Yeah, but the same people that use an excuse not to gather 
in a place of worship to worship, God will gather at Kroger and Publix and, and everywhere. And where's the truth in all of this? I'm reading people are, uh, uh, anyway, help us, Lord, help us. We're so gullible. Sometimes we just believe the, the most. Help me go on here. Where's the power? That's the point. Where's the power? Where's the power? Where's the power over sin, sickness, and death? Either we believe the word or we don't believe it. Now, I'm not, I'm not insinuating that I'm filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to go stand on a train track and say, I dare you to, <laughs> to knock me over. Come on. Let's be wise. But at the same time, we have to remember that when the church started, there was no live streaming. How about that? <laughs> and here's another news flash. When the church started, there was no United States of America. So they couldn't yell, USA, USA. For all the patriotic people. I mean, come on. Are we Christian first? Or are we Americans first? We're Christian first. We didn't, they didn't have live stream, but there was power there. Empowered to do the will of God. Jesus prayed and he taught his disciples to pray. And then he told those that followed him to be empowered through prayer. And what begins in prayer should end in prayer. And guess what? Jesus, when he comes back to earth, he's not going to be looking for your American flag. To rapture everybody that came out of America. Guys, we, we've been identifying as a Christian nation. That's awesome. That's wonderful. We can look at our founding documents. We can go back. I, I love history. I love to see the roots of things and see how God started this. And this country, yes, was started uh, by people that had a hunger and a desire to worship God freely, not be told how to do that by some state. But there are people all over the world right now that are hungry to worship God. And just because they were born in another country doesn't mean that they're anti-Christ or anti-American. Okay? When Jesus comes back, he's not going to be looking at the badge we wear, the denomination that we gather under. He's not even going to be looking for our doctrine. It doesn't say in the... In the, in the in the Bible, that Jesus is coming back to, to, to for a, a pure and spotless bride that knows all of the doctrine. And if you don't know all the doctrine, too bad. He's looking for faith. And Jesus said that uh, we, to enter into the kingdom of God, into the body of Christ, we have to have the faith of a child. He also, he also used that, that, that small grain of the mustard seed that grew into the tree. There's a lot of uh, typology there and, and that seed of faith to be planted and all of this. But Jesus is looking for faith. He's not looking for perfection. He's looking for faith. And where you find faith, you find power. You find trust in God. So that's the introduction. First point of the message. Three things to remember on November 4th. This next part's going to go pretty quick. I'm believing. Three things to remember on November 4th. Number one, Jesus still 
is on the throne. He's going to be on the throne. On Wednesday, he's going to be on the throne. On Thursday, he's going to be on the throne. Guess what? On Friday, even on Saturday. Next Sunday, if you're here, Jesus is going to be on the throne. He's not slipping off. He didn't leave the house and forget his cell phone and lost his GPS. and make a, We're not making a movie, Finding Jesus. Hey, where's Jesus? No. He's on the throne. He has a plan, and he's never been nervous. And because my Lord, who I serve, who I obey every day, is not nervous, therefore I can be not nervous. Be a good campaign to start. Wear a t-shirt, not nervous. People ask you, not nervous? What does that mean? I'm not nervous. I'm glad you asked me. I'm not nervous. If you'll stand there three minutes, I'll tell you why I'm not nervous. Colossians 3, verse 1. It's kind of bring the funny side of me out today. That's all right. We'll get back to the teaching. But I think things are shifting. Guys, it's time for the church to be bold. In, in a loving way, speaking the truth in love. Being, but you can be bold in love. You don't have to be obnoxious. Colossians 3, verse 1. The Passion Translation. This is awesome. Look at this. Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. That is so good. That's something that you could write on a board and put in your house. If he rose from the dead, then we're in him and we rise from the dead. We have been risen from the dead. Spiritual death, right? We are alive in Christ. Somebody say, I'm alive in Christ. Man, that just makes the devil flee right there. This is why you are to yearn for all that is above. Because we're risen with Christ, which are Christ's. For that's where Christ sits enthroned. He's on the throne at the place of all power, honor, and authority. He is on the throne of all power, honor, and authority. You think Jesus is concerned about how many he likes he gets on Facebook? No. No. He could turn off Facebook in a, a nanosecond. Boom. See you. Wouldn't want to be you. <laughs> the point, Jesus is not easily impressed. Right? He's on the throne. Here, here's a nugget for you. God doesn't have to prove anything. And if you're in Christ, guess what? You don't have to prove anything to anybody you are free from the approval of man that's good right there the earth belongs to the Lord no matter how many men rebel still belongs to the Lord that's pretty deep when the Lord told me that the earth belongs to me sure there's sin on the earth Sure, it's been prophesied that sin will increase. Sure, it's been prophesied that men's hearts will fail and they will be hardened and the, the, the love of many will wax cold, right? All of these things have been prophesied, but the earth still belongs to God. Now, in that sense, God is sovereign. But God doesn't make things happen on the earth. It is not 
He's in control of the circumstances. And I do know what James says about, don't wake up and say, well, I'm going to go to the city and I'm going to trade here. I'm gonna, you don't know, but whatever the will is the Lord's. And whatever, if it be the Lord's will, if it be the Lord's will, I'll wake up tomorrow. Well, he's going to give me life and I'm going to wake up somewhere. <laughs> I'm in him. His life is in me. It's his will that we live and not die. God is higher and still in control. Control. Meaning that when he says that this dispensation that we're living in right now, this period of time that we're living in right now, when he says it's over, it's over. We're not going to change his mind about it. He already prophesied. This is, it's already written. Now, Jesus is on the throne. Number two, on November 4th, this is, this is, this is the truth. We should pray even more. We're not, we're, we're not, whatever happens, we're not going to go, ah. Or we're not going to be, ah. I'm just giving you some emoticons right now. <laughs> People understand emoticons. We should pray even more. We should gather together even more. The Bible says, as, as we see the day approaching, we should come together even more. That's where I'm coming from as the church. And let me just pause right here and say that there are a lot of churches, I know this, there are a lot of churches that are hanging in the balance. Pastors are saying, is it really worth it? I lost half my congregation. They're looking back over the, the previous months. They're saying, hey, I lost my, half my congregation. And, you know, you obviously know that when half the congregation says, no, we're not going to church anymore, then their tithes follow that, right? And so churches are making, men and women of God are making decisions whether to stay in the ministry and serve or not. But the Bible says that we're, we were created to gather together. Which means that God's not coming back for an online church. Even though I'm talking to the cameras and to everybody here, it's not an either or, it's an and both, right? There are some people that will connect that are looking for the truth that haven't stepped in the building yet. But there's a desire within every living human being that has blood and bones to connect with somebody else that has eyes and a heart to, to have fellowship. God created us for fellowship. He created Adam to fellowship with him. He created Adam to fellowship with Eve. And we see that God created us for fellowship. That's why we cannot sustain a society digitally. God didn't design it that way. A lot of the ills that we're facing in our society are from an over-addiction, uh, an addiction <laughs> to this digital stuff. And we've got very educated people telling us this. We have to gather together more. We should pray even more because unity comes as a result of prayer. As Christians, when we gather together, 
the very first thing that we ask each other, where do you go to church? As if to say, my church is better than your church. Just like a couple of weeks ago, I used the illustration, you know, in youth camp, you have two sets of bleachers and this side says, we love Jesus. Yes, we do. We love Jesus. How about you? This side says, we love Jesus. Yes, we do. We love Jesus. How about you? We love him more. We love him. We're <laughs> Guys, we're not in a competition with each other. We should provoke one another to good works, but we, you can't claim that you love Jesus more than somebody else or that a whole denomination is wrong just because you don't agree with their doctrine. Come on, let the Holy Spirit work out their doctrine. He's smart enough. We're not smart enough. Everybody just throw up a hand and say, I'm not smart enough. I'm not smart enough. Jesus said, I am the one that can separate the goats from the sheep. The wheat from the tares. And if he's the only one that can do that, and he's the Lord of the church, the head of the church, he's the only one that should be doing that. But sometimes we crawl up on that holy high chair and say, you're wrong and I'm right. You're wrong and I'm right. That's why unity comes as a result of prayer. When you get thousands of people together, like Sean is, uh, let us worship this this revival of worship that's going out. When people come together, they may ask, where did you come from? But when the music starts, uh, we quit asking questions. Because when Jesus and his presence comes in the house, my hands go up, my mouth shuts, and my knees go to the floor. I want to be in his presence. I don't care who you are, where you came from. If you want to be in his presence, you come with me. Let's go to the Father's house. I was glad when they said unto me. That David didn't write. I was glad when they said unto me, let's go to a doctrinal debate. No. In the, in the New Testament, it says refrain from, from this disputing these, these over words and these questions. It only leads to strife. Come on. Unity is a result of prayer. That's why we should pray even more on November 4th. Church, pray even more. Don't debate doctrine. Somebody says, what do you think about this doctrine, blah, blah, blah? Say, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me. Bring it back to something simple. Stay simple. 1 John 5, 13. 1 John 5, 13, 14, and 15. The Passion Translation. This is so good. Listen. I've written this letter to you who will believe in the name of the Son of God, that you will be assured and know without a doubt that you have eternal life. See, Jesus wants us to be filled with confidence. He wants us to know without a doubt that we have eternal life. Today, we're going to give people a chance to have eternal life. But we have to know that God wants us to know that. We can't want wander around wondering am I saved or not he wants us to know since we have this confidence we can also have great boldness before him for if we present any request agreeable to his will he will hear us and if we know that he hears us and whatever we ask we also know that we have obtained the request we ask of him which means we need to pray more going into the future than we have in the past because prayer produces confidence. 
when you spend time with your heavenly father and you know his voice and you you can hear the voice of the holy spirit witnessing with god's written word confidence comes confidence is a result of that when you know you're born again and no devil in hell can talk you out of that you have confidence toward god and our prayers are effective and and uh proficient they 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 do what we send them to do when we pray because we know that we're praying god's will not my will god's will if i don't know that it's god's will i need to find out if it's god's will right but when i know that i've prayed and it's god's will i know that he hears me and if i know that i he hears me and what i ask i know that we obtain the request that we ask of him. So there's a confidence that comes with prayer that only comes through prayer and through knowing God's word. That's faith. So the last point on November 4th, we need to remember, is the harvest is here and the harvest is now. The harvest is here, and the harvest is now. And I saved the third point, the best point, for the last point. And I'm serious that every time I pray, I hear people saying, when is somebody going to tell me the truth? I heard it when we were in Italy years ago. I was riding on, I told this story not too long ago, I was riding on the train, on the train. Underground train, it came up from the underground. It came up, I could probably take you right to this place that it was came up from the underground and you know if you've ridden the underground train sometimes it'll come up and you see and i'm riding and i'm sitting in a seat where i could see and i saw up about seven eight stories and there was this woman with the drapes pulled back looking down just looking down and in a split second of time i believe it was god giving me this ability to hear what she had in her heart for, for my purpose, for, for, for me, I needed to hear what she was asking. And she was asking, what the Lord showed me that she was asking was, when is somebody going to come and tell me the truth about Jesus? And it shook me. You know, people can hear things about Jesus and not be the truth. But, but they have a desire for the truth. And so there are people that are saying all around us, I've heard this and I've heard that, but when is somebody going to tell me the truth about Jesus? We need to advertise Jesus more than we advertise anything else. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the reason that we are still on the earth. The harvest is the reason that the church is still on the earth. I've often asked God this question. He doesn't give me an answer, but I just ask him anyway. Lord, wouldn't it make more sense? To me, at least, would make more sense that when somebody becomes born again and they bow their knee to you and they give their life to you, you just take them up. Happened to Enoch, right? Then they couldn't make any more mistakes. <laughs> they couldn't sin. They wouldn't have to put up with any kind of sorrow or sickness or but that's not the way it happened so the reason that we're still here guys is there's a harvest 
And we have to keep our eyes on the harvest. Look at John chapter 4, verse 34. This is what Jesus said. When you're turning there, I want you to remember that there are now, right now, more people on the earth today than ever before. Right now. I can say that with surety. <laughs> Fair enough, surety. Do you believe that statement? That there are, right now, on this, on this earth, there's more people living on the earth than ever before. Then remember that when we're reading this. Jesus spoke and said, My food is to be doing the will of him who sent me and bring it to completion. So, I, I have to kind of pause there and tie this in. Because, let's remember why Jesus said this. He was speaking to his disciples because his disciples were worried because he wasn't eating. Lord, Lord, you, you've, you've done all these things and, and you have to be hungry. You have to be hungry. And that Jesus said that there's something more necessary than food. More necessary than food. Because he said, my food is to be doing the will of him who sent me and to bring it to completion. Food gives you the essential energy to carry on. Right? Doing God's will and bringing it to a completion is essential for the body of Christ. If Jesus was about his father's business, we should be about our father's business. And his business is people. People. We see people. Number one, saved. We have to see people saved. We have to hear the cry of people's hearts. People's hearts that are lonely and lost and broken. People that we pass on, on, in, on the aisle, in the aisle, in the supermarket. People that are asking questions without vo vocalizing it. They need someone. They want to trust in God. We have to see that seeing people and ministering to people and telling people about Jesus is more essential than even eating our food. Guys, because reaping the harvest right now is not some side gig. It's the main event. At this very moment. This is the main event. Now the enemy can stir up distractions and draw us off. But the harvest is the main event. That's what I know to be true. And that's what I'm going to continue to say. Until we see this building filled. Overflowing. Two services. Three services. Till we're building more buildings. Because people need to come to Jesus. And connect with God. And connect with each other. That's the church. And I'm not saying that the church is building buildings. You guys understand. We've got to come together. It's not good that we should be apart. Amen. Amen. Apart from God or apart from each other. They can Listen, they're doing research right now to trace it back on how many people ditched out of church back in March and now are not serving God at all. John 4, 34. I was on uh, verse 35. As the crowds emerged from the village, Jesus said to his disciples, why would you say the harvest is another four months away? Look at all the people coming. Now is harvest time, for their hearts are like vast fields of ripened grain, ready for a spiritual harvest. 
Notice that Jesus was not saying, okay, guys, get the baskets. We're going to take up an offering. All right? Come on. He didn't say, okay, you know, uh, where are we at in the treasury? We need some money. Shake the baskets. I'm going to take up an offering. No, the main thing is the main thing. The hearts of people need Jesus. Everybody say that with me. The hearts of people need Jesus. We've got to keep the main thing the main thing. They're ready for a spiritual harvest. And everyone who reaps these souls for eternal life will receive a reward. And those who plant spiritual seeds and those who reap the harvest will celebrate together with great joy. So, do we have our eyes on the harvest? Do we have our eyes on the harvest going into 2021, seeing past this election? Have we had our eyes on this election instead of the harvest? Have we had our eyes on COVID-19 instead of the harvest? Do we have our eyes on big name preachers and mega churches and who said what and who's endorsing who rather than the harvest? Because if we have and we do, and I'm preaching to myself as well, then we may have missed an encounter with somebody that we had yesterday or the day before. But on November 4th, there's the harvest is white. On November 5th, the harvest is white. On November 6th, the harvest is white. Jesus wants a church that keeps its eyes focused on his harvest that he's already paid for, that he sees as white. He's redeemed us with his blood, his spotless blood, and washed us and made us as white as snow. Do we see the harvest like Jesus sees the harvest? Will we do what Jesus did to reap the harvest? Now, he didn't ask us to lay our life down and shed our blood, but he asked us to pray and to preach, to tell the good news. That's the gospel. The good news is, hey, you don't have to die and go to hell. God loves you as much as he loves anybody else on this earth. Wow. If the body of Christ had as much enthusiasm about getting people born again as these politicians have to get votes to win an election, we could reap the harvest in a week. I've almost thrown my phone away at least twice a day because of all the text messages and emails. And by the way, don't click on any of that stuff because it could take you to some foreign webpage that is going to come on. More energy and more money has been spent on this election than any other election in the history of our country. Guys, I understand how important politics is, but the church shouldn't be guilty of worshiping politics. Come on. I know that's not popular. Pastors, he's meddling now. Jesus is number one. Jesus has my vote. Jesus is on the throne. He's on the throne of my heart where he rules and reigns every day. I'm not going to be shaken by what happens on November 3rd because I know what to do on November 4th. I know what to do. I know what to do. 
I know that Jesus is sitting on the throne. I know that I should pray more than I'm praying right now. And I know that the harvest is white. And if Jesus can just get me to look at the harvest, I'll move toward the harvest with his power, with his strength, with his love, with his love, with his compassion. Jesus moved toward people with compassion. We need to move toward people with compassion. It's the compassion of the Lord that compels us. So Wednesday morning, when we wake up and get up, our prayer should be, Lord, it's another day that I choose to obey you. And today I ask you to help me bring someone into your family. Wow. If we did, if we did that every day, our family would grow exponentially every day if we were busy winning people to Jesus. This family would grow. People wouldn't be in fear of, of this or that or the other thing. Economic, physical, emotional, mental. Guys, Jesus has the answer. He is the answer. And because he lives in us, we have the answer. We have to choose who we're going to serve. Let's stand.